Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Derek Brickley Podcast, Episode 6. This will be a shorter episode, because I just got done recording this episode, uh, and it didn't publish, so I have to redo it. Um, But I will try to do an episode on Tuesday, you know, to make up for the shorter episode. Um... So that is my apologies. But just to get right into the uh, first topic, which is I want to talk about, you know, streaming versus cable. You know, for the longest time, you know, we all know that, uh, you know, cable has been showing a you know, decrease in viewers. I'm not saying that, like, cable... Is going away anytime soon. I'm not saying that. Not at all. I do think cable is going to be around. For at least the next 10-15 years. But there has been a rise. In people skipping regular cable. And just watching the show. Exclusively you know. On streaming apps. Whether that's like Netflix. You know Hulu. Amazon. And with the you know popularity. And that growing. Especially since a lot of these streaming services are starting to have good quality to high quality shows. It's raising the bar on, you know, people wanting to just watch their stuff there. On top of, you know, a whole library of movies. Some new, you know, some older. You know, but the downside to all these streaming stuff will be the fact that with more and more streaming services starting to come out, that it is going to cost a little bit more. Because, you know, when it first started, you really only had one streaming service, which was Netflix. Now, now you have, you have like five, six, you know. You got Netflix, you got Hulu, you got Amazon, you got the upcoming HBO Max, you're going to have NBC, you know, the CW, I heard, is working on their own network. You got Apple TV, you know, and so all these streaming services that are out, this, you know, could easily cost you anywhere like 50, 60, all the way up to 80 bucks. You know, you, you can also throw in there, um, you know, the you know DC streaming service too, which is like 10 bucks, I think. So, you know, all these streaming services, they're, they're, when you add them all up, you're going to be paying quite a bit of money, you know, for for these streaming services. And that's a lot of money for people to be shouting out for a streaming service. So, there's, there's going, you know, there's issues on both ends. I'm not saying one is better than the other because, you know, clearly that's not true. You know, it's just like people talking about right now, you know, should I stop? collecting movies since everything is really going digital and I like what Robert Myrnett said you shouldn't say you shouldn't know now should be the time where you would want to collect more than ever especially since one day they're gonna they're gonna stop producing you know these blu-ray you know DVD desk especially with the rise of streaming. So this would be the perfect time to start building your collection up even more. 
And at, I mean, if you're a hardcore collector of Blu-rays, then you should be buying them anyway. You know, you, at this point, your collection is probably massive into the you know, you know, four, five, six thousand you know Blu-rays. Especially if you're the guy that has been collecting Blu-rays for years, um, you know. So I don't think cable is going to go away anytime soon. Because there's a, still a lot of people that rather watch, you know, their cable on TV. You know, there's a lot of good shows on TV, you know, that you, that you may not be able to watch on a streaming service. Because there are some shows that don't go to streaming services and, you know, are just on TV. So if you miss your show, you may not be able to watch it on the services. So that, so, you know, there's some, you know, benefits there. In hindsight, um, and like for example, you know, there's a, this great show on Netflix called B Wars. No, some people may like it, some people, you know, some people may not. I'm one of the people that do like it. It has a great story, it has uh, good acting in it. Everybody brings their A game, and one to me, one of the standout performances in the show. Is um, played by Ian Summerholder, who is a phenomenal actor. Doctor Luther Swan is played brilliantly by him. He's been an amazing actor for years. You know, his entire body of work on the Vampire Diaries was great. Uh, I've seen him in several movies. He's been fantastic in. This guy brings his A-game every time he has a project lined up. He doesn't give anything less than 100%. And that's what I really respect about him. And I'm not saying this, you know, because I, I know him. Because I, I don't. I've never met Ian Holder. I've never met him. I've never talked to him. Um, so, I'm saying this from a complete, like, unbiased the guy's just, he knows how to portray a character. You give him a character, he can make you feel like he is playing a character and not just playing himself. You know, which is what some actors struggle to do. And it's not a knock on any actor, because again, I'm not, a, I'm not an actor. I don't know the first thing about acting. So, for him to play a character that's totally different from his, you know, Vampire Dice character just shows you that he knows how to work. He he goes beyond 100%. He probably gives 150%. Every time he he's in the scene, he, he gives his hardest. He puts all his heart into it. And that's what I respect about him. Um, I want to talk. I'm taking a minute to talk about movie that came out a few weeks ago, which is Cats. I know Cats is, is bombing right now. It, it's unfortunate. It could have been a very good movie that sold well. But unfortunately, it just hasn't reached the targeted audience that it wanted. It was only able to think to make $6.24 million, which is not a good opening weekend for a movie that cost hundred million dollars 
you know, to make, they have to make some serious bank in order to salvage, to come somewhere close to what this movie cost them. Because right now, it's being uh, projected this movie could cost them anywhere upwards to 60 to like 70 million dollars. And that's a lot of money for a studio to lose. Especially on such a high, you know, like a high production. And it's, I'm not going to blame any actor, actors, you know, because I haven't seen the movie. And I'll be the flat out to be honest with you, after I've seen uh, the reviews and heard people talk about it, I really have no desire to see it. Now, I will wait for it to come on, like, DVD or a streaming service, but I'm not going to rush out to the theaters to see it. But I wouldn't, I w it would be a lie to say that I wouldn't go to the theaters and see it just to see how bad it is. Because this is like one of the very few movies that you ever heard that they had to release a patch to fix the uh, visuals in the movie. So that tells you how bad it's doing right now. Because movies don't do that. You, they do that with games, but they ne very seldom do that with a movie. From what I've heard and seen, they very rarely do that with a movie. You know, I've heard that the Broadway plays was light years better than what the movie is. Because I've heard that the Broadway play, yes, it's basically mostly, you know, songs and dances, you know. That may work for a Broadway play. But sometimes that does not transition well into a feature-length movie. Some things can be adapted to a movie and some things can't. And since this is going to be a shorter, shorter episode, I do want to get into one of the big topics. One of the big debates. And it was brought up on the uh, John Campion show. Because they just recently announced that Deadpool 3, that they are working on Deadpool 3. So, he asked the question, do you think Deadpool will be rated R in the MCU? Rated R outside of the MCU? Or PG-13 inside the MCO. And I, I did vote on I did vote on it. And I said rated R outside of the MCO. And I do think that they will do Deadpool 3 outside of the MCO. Because I do think a PG-13 Deadpool could have worked. Had they had not done any Deadpool movies before. But now that people have seen an R-rated Deadpool, I don't think people would accept a PG-13 Deadpool. And from what I've heard and read, I've seen Bob Agger is not the type of person that he would allow for them to do a rated R Deadpool movie inside the MCU. And then have a PG-13, you know, Thor movie. Because it, it would send a mixed signal to you know, some of the audience members. You know, especially, you know, if parents want to take their kid to go see, you know, 
a Thor movie. Well, you know, my kid was able to watch Thor, but he can't watch Deadpool. What? Why can't he watch it? And now they would have to explain. Well, you see, Thor is a PG-13 movie that is set in the MCU, but also Deadpool is a rated R movie, but is in the you know MCU. So you, you kid's not gonna be able to watch it. Okay, and that's something that he tries to avoid. He's very protective over the Disney brand, and as he should be. He's turned this company into a powerhouse, an absolute powerhouse. They have pumped out six $1 billion films in one calendar year. And Rise of Skywalker is looking to be rejected to make $1 billion. And I have to agree with John Campion. I would count it as seven, even if the movie does not cross a billion dollar threshold until 2020. You have to count it from the release date. And since Rise of Skywalker was released, I think on December 20th, 2019, it is considered a 20. A 2019 film. Which would qualify for this decade. So whether it. You know crosses that line. At the tail end. Remains to be seen. So. I think that's how that works. But. You know. They have. They've had monster hits. Outside of the MCU. Aladdin. Crossed the 1 billion dollar threshold. Uh, I can't remember. I don't know if Jumanji is a Disney movie. I think it is. And if it is, that has potential to reach a $1 billion. If both Rise of Skywalker and Jumanji can reach a billion dollars, then that would make eight $1 billion films. I haven't looked at the recent box office tracking record, you know, or where it's at. I don't know if it's close or far away. I do think out of the potential of the two, Rise of Skywalker will be the one that does it. I do think Jumanji could potentially call, come close to $1 billion. I don't think it will. But you never know what Disney can pull off. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um... There's a movie coming out called uh, Dr. Doolittle. I don't know if this new one is tied to the other ones that had Eddie Murphy from like years ago. So that film does look interesting. I think this is uh, Robbie, Robert Downey Jr.'s first big role outside of the MCU since leaving it. So it's going to be interesting to see how well he does. Outside of the MCU. Whether he will get. Kind of like get typecast. As the guy that just plays Iron Man. Let me look. He's been doing. He's been playing that one role. For ten, like 10 years. The whole MCU was built off. The success of Iron Man. And nobody could have predicted. That that genre. That the MCU would be. What it is today. And they're still going strong. You know, 
I just got done watching uh, Wonder Woman. I watched Batman, Batman vs Superman. I've seen Aquaman, and you know I just got done watching Justice League last night. And I will say, Justice League is not as bad as what I what I heard. Now I'm not saying it was a one of the best comic book movies of this decade because it wasn't. It was on the lower end, but taking away the other superhero movies, not talking about the other superhero movies, has a film I thought it was it was good, and maybe laugh several times. You know, you know I thought it was good acting in it. Uh, I thought the story was pretty good, but there was uh, one flaw that I didn't, I really didn't like about it. Was that the basic plot of it was that they was going to resurrect Superman? I'm, I'm fine with them bringing him back, even though I'm not the biggest Superman fan. If anybody know anybody that knows me knows that Superman is one of my least favorite superheroes of all time. The only really big issue I have with it is that after he got resurrected. Uh, the uh, main villain, I think his name was Stephen Wolf. Um, Superman just pummeled him in every scene. Was absolutely destroying him. To me, they made the other characters feel a lot weaker than uh, the Superman. And I'm not saying, look, Batman is one of my favorite heroes. It's totally understandable because Batman has no powers at all. And he's going up against a supernatural creature from a different, you know, dimension or, like, universe. So, it's understandable. You know, and Cyborg is kind of like just, he's like, like kind of like just a robot. But, this villain is able to easily, you know, you know, keep at bay the Flash, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman. But Superman just comes in and just totally wrecks shop. So... Uh, I would have to say that's my only problem with the movie. As a whole, I thought it was good. I thought Batman vs. Superman wasn't that bad. That's what people made it out to be. I can see the reason why people disliked it. Wonder Woman was just a fantastic movie from beginning to end. Enjoyed every minute of it. Um, so, it's going to be interesting what they go forward. I haven't seen Shazam yet. I still need to see that movie. I've heard nothing but good things about it. I have heard some people say they didn't like it. Um, Black Adam coming out looks like a very good uh, movie. This will, will be The Rock's first DC uh, DC movie. You know, so I'm interested in his portrayal of Black Adam. I don't know a lot of the origin stories of Black Adam, so this is going to be a you know. I'm going to be going fresh and not knowing any of the super uh, villain, super villains, back, you know, origin story. So it's going to be interesting. And the last thing I want to talk about is uh, the guy that played the Flash. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Ezra Miller, I think his name is, who played the Flash in Justice League. I actually thought he had a very unique version of the Flash. 
is very different from you know Grant Gustin's Flash on the TV show. I know I've heard some people complain you know, that his Flash is totally different from his, and I think that is by design. It is by design for that character to be totally opposite, which is fine by me. Look, he played. A very great version of Flash. And I would love to see him play the Flash in his own standalone movie. For people that was expecting that it to be the same. I don't know what they was hoping for. Because it wasn't going to be played by the same guy. Which is, is I'm fine with that too. That's another thing that some people are probably with. And I can understand why. I'm not discrediting their opinion. That they want their characters from the shows to play the characters in the movies. And I don't. I like the fact that they're keeping the DCU, you know, separate from the DC shows. Because it doesn't. The one good thing about the shows, the TV shows, is that they're not restricted. But what's going on in the movies. And, and I understand. There could be a problem. With the with the Marvel shows. Is that. I You know. And Kevin Feige, and Kevin Feige we trust. I trust that he's going to do great. With all the shows. But a problem that they could run into. Is that. With the shows. They're going to be confined. With inside the. You know the MCU. All their shows are going to be tied to the movies. So, what they do in one show will have to, some in some way, affect the other shows. So, you know, they can't do things, you know, in a show. Hey, I want my show to be set in, and, you know, you know, in New York again. With the big, you know, but no, we already did this in the first Avengers. But you can't, we, we don't want to rehash the same thing. You know, uh... I want to fight this monster, wait, but we already did it in such such movie, and, you know, we can't bring that back, you know, or we want to go to this, you know, brand new location, but wait, you know, we have this plan for such and such movie down the line, you know, so, so that might be a problem going forward, I don't think it will be, because again, I think Kevin Feige will, ha- will hammer home with a good chunk of the series, we will find out when, no, uh, the Walter Falcon and the show comes out. But Kevin Feige has been able to do with the movies a very great job. So I have no problem seeing him have a hard time with the shows. Uh, I know Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. was somewhat tied to the MCU. But in a way it wasn't. It's was just like the uh, Netflix shows like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, you know. Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Yeah, they do make some references to the MCU. But they are really not tied to the MCU because what happens on the shows they never talk about in the movies. And what happens in the you know, the movies they never really talk about on the shows. So they was kinda like their own set on the shows too, which I was totally fine with. Would have been cool, yes. Was it necessary? No. So I think that is going to do it for this episode. 
episode 6 of the Derek Brings Podcast. Again, I might release a special episode on Tuesday, a longer episode, which is my normal 45 minutes. Or I might throw in an extra 20 minutes and make it an hour. Uh, but I will try to keep you guys updated. Thank you guys for your patience. I will see you guys next Friday or possibly Tuesday. Catch you later.